0: Welcome to Ship It or Skip It. I'm Alex Lee. And I'm Najee. And today we're looking at the Netflix original movie, Set It Up.
1: Should I return my blue jacket? Yes. And after a very intense conversation with their saleswoman that ended with both of us in tears, I got you a full refund. I want it back. Absolutely. This computer isn't taking my password. Ah! I no, do that. Ah!
0: It's my laptop.
1: Well, bring me my laptop. Set It Up is a romantic comedy directed by Claire Scanlon, written by Katie Silberman, and starring Zoe Deutsch as Harper, Glenn Powell as Charlie, Tay Diggs as a high-strung Rick, and Lucy Liu as a former journalist and editor of a Sports Journalism Empire. Plot follows to overworked assistants to try and set up their demanding bosses on dates.
0: Yeah, so when you first suggested Set It Up as the next movie to review, I wasn't really that interested because, one, I was ready to watch the next season of Queer Eye, but two, after I read the description, it kind of sounded like another one of those movies where a career woman has to choose between a romantic interest and continued success at work. And I'm just not interested in those movies. One, I think they've all been played out, and two, it kind of sends a weird message that women aren't able to have both a romantic life and be successful at work, but I'm happy to report that this movie doesn't fall into that stereotype. So I was actually pleasantly surprised.
1: So yeah, I think the character selection in this movie was really interesting. You have uh, the bosses typically played by like white males, uh, being played by minorities. Uh, you still had the, the token white fraternity boy character.
0: So I'm actually going to push back on that a little bit. I think Powell does a really nice job of making sure that Charlie isn't really a frat boy. I mean, he's an assistant. It's not like he's ahead of a VC firm or we see that he's incompetent at his work necessarily and he's just gotten there because of his lacrosse team. And it actually reminds me of his role in Linklater's Everybody Wants Some, which, curiously enough, Zoe Deutsch is also in and is a great movie if you haven't seen it. But in that movie, he's also supposed to play this frat boy baseball player but he doesn't really come off that way he brings kind of a self-awareness and consciousness to that frat boy stereotype so I don't think calling him a frat boy is really fair
1: right and I I definitely got that as we progressed through the movie um, especially like introductions and interactions with him and his roommate which was really cool yeah for sure there's
0: definitely a development in his character over the course of the movie while I've just sung all those praises for Powell clearly the star of the movie is Zoe Deutsch She is magnetic, charismatic. The delivery of her lines is punchy, energetic, her inflection. There's also on-screen chemistry between her and Powell, the way they look at each other, their reaction shots, their dialogue has a nice cadence and pacing to it.
1: Yeah, so we don't actually learn the main characters' names until around 13 minutes into the movie. At least that's what I uh, what I wrote down. And we actually get their bosses' names, their partner's names, their roommate's names, their roommate's marriage, um, and all this stuff before uh, we actually get to their names. And uh, both Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell had this or delivered really personable acting. Like I knew the characters as soon as I saw them. And I attribute that to both the acting and like excellent writing and excellent directing. I think the writing's fine. I don't think it's
0: particularly special. I don't think that with like an average cast, the script would have turned out as well. I think Powell and Deutsch really do a lot to elevate it to another level. And like I said, I was just really impressed by both of them, particularly Deutsch. I think she's a budding superstar. I would buy Deutsch stock. I don't like making comparisons necessarily, but she has an Emma Stone-like quality an ability to take an average to mediocre script and make a movie that I want to rewatch over and over again.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, But I do think a lot of it is the writing. So we started off the movie with this really great intro with all these corporate assistants that are doing like impossible things to meet their boss's demands, including like delivering urine samples or breaking up with their boss's partners. On behalf of the boss, and it really puts a great perspective on like what we can expect from our main characters or what their lives are like before we even met them. So I, I really think the writing, maybe not the dialogue, was the best, but I think the way the scenes were, uh, pro- how the scenes progressed, um, was really great.
0: Eh, I was still really not that impressed with the writing. I mean, even that opening sequence, we had a lazy coming joke within the first minute of the movie. It's fine. I don't know. It's not exceptional. Like I said, it's a standard rom-com. It doesn't set out to be a revolutionary comedy. I do think that there are some really interesting choices that they made with the writing that makes it an updated rom-com, like having the female characters be the sports writers. Just little things like that I appreciated.
1: Yeah, they definitely had some like twists in this movie um, from like classic rom-coms, and I, I really think it worked out. Yeah,
0: some of those updates definitely pay off. But at the end of the day, it's a tried and true rom-com with some of those tropes that we all love and enjoy. Harper has the classic promiscuous roommate played by Meredith Hagner, which was one of the surprisingly refreshing performances, actually. That character can tend to get just tossed away as a cardboard cutout. But Hagner definitely does a good job of making her like a real person, a full fleshed out character.
1: Yeah, I also think that it's good they didn't keep her in too long during the movie Uh, Harper's a very bubbly character, her roommate's even more bubbly, definitely, yep, yeah, and uh, they make a very cute couple, her roommate and her fiancé, congrats to them.
0: They definitely get the right amount of screen time. To get back to some of the main characters, the bosses, Kirsten and Rick, out of the two, Kirsten's definitely the more fleshed out character, just the result of the amount of screen time and the dialogue that she gets. Kirsten definitely gives off some Devil Wears Prada vibes, I mean the whole movie does, and while it's unfair to compare anyone to Meryl Streep, I think Lou does a good job of playing this character. It's a difficult character because she needs to be the insane annoying boss with over the top requests, but still a human with emotions that endears themselves to us.
1: Right. And I love how she walks through the newsroom and she's like, Tell me something I don't know. We're like, um, just like asking people for articles or suggestions on what to cover. And like Rick is I think the best way I can describe Rick is like very Trumpian. That's like, I'm happy that like...
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there. That's a little harsh. Oh, he's like,
1: he's a baby, extremely demanding. He has like uh, tantrums when the slightest things don't go his way. He calls people pencil dick.
0: I guess that's fair, but I think we should just stay away from calling people Trumpian. And I think he's just supposed to be like a mockery of like a high-powered businessman. I like that they take a shot at Mark Cuban in Shark Tank.
1: Hmm, Yeah. Well, no, I think, like, like I, I get the Shark Tank thing, but at the same time, those people are professionals, kind of. This guy's just just, like, like, he'd be fired in, like, an instant.
0: Yeah, I don't really know why you have so much hatred for Rick, but anyways, between the two bosses, Kirsten's definitely the one that's the most developed, and her relationship with Harper is definitely the stronger between the boss and assistant. Their give and take is really solid. Some of my favorite scenes are the ones with just Lou and Deutsch, you know, just going back and forth, not necessarily arguing, but just like boss assistant stuff. They definitely bring some life to those scenes.
1: Kirsten definitely sees potential in Harper. Um, you know, she's, she's a potential employee. I don't think Rick looks at Charlie the same way. He looks at him as very dispensable, as like he can just hire another guy in a few days. And I think that kind of dynamic or uh, between the two separate bosses
0: To be fair, I think part of that is just due to their respective industries. I mean, journalism is literally a give-and-take. I hand in a draft, it gets edited, revised, it needs to get approved, then eventually published, which lends itself more to a mentor-mentee relationship, while investment picking is just cold and callous and just sucking up until you get the next promotion. I don't know when I became part of the Rick Fan Club, but I guess I'm here.
1: Right, but at the same time, I mean, this might be just my inexperience in that field, but the bosses really demand that you, like, I don't know, call up your, your ex-wife and tell her, like, hey, we're having a trial right now or something? That seems, like, a little bit unprofessional.
0: I don't know. I've heard some real horror stories about things that bosses have asked their assistants and employees to do. And while the movie certainly has some hyperbole, I wouldn't be that surprised if these aren't that far from the truth, if not real experiences. Anyways, back to Saturday. Clearly, we both liked certain aspects of it, but were there parts that you didn't really care for? And if so, what were they?
1: There's a character named Creepy Tim, played by Titus Burgess from uh, Kimi Schmidt, uh, which was great seeing him. I love the guy. It's just a little bit awkward. Like, it's, I think it's really funny, but it's verges on cringe. I didn't think it worked out too well.
0: Yeah, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I don't really care for that actor. I've never found it particularly funny. And... I've seen this movie more times than I'm willing to admit, and I always skip the scenes that he's in every time without fail. So, just not my cup of tea. Another character that I didn't really care for is Charlie's girlfriend, Suze, played by Joan Smalls. She's just kind of empty, literally like a cardboard cutout of a supermodel, and I don't really think it's any fault of Smalls. And maybe that's just what the writers intended, just to have like a super attractive, like, soulless heartless girl that charlie should know better than to date
1: her only benefit to the plot was she provided some like external conflict for for charlie during the movie just like something to look forward to after his day of work that was basically it or something or or promises he'd miss out on like missing dinner or missing like a date Um, or even things he'd do at work to leave so he can meet her yeah i mean they could have replaced him with his dying mother and it would have worked out better
0: yeah, she's definitely the weakest of the auxiliary characters. Another, like, it's a really nitpicky thing, but it kind of bothered me, and my English teacher would be disappointed if I didn't point it out, is that throughout the movie, they keep on saying they're cyrano their bosses, but that's not really, like, an accurate description of what happened in Cyrano de Bergerac. It's actually about, like, an ugly dude feeding lines to a handsome dude to court a princess, but really, the ugly dude is in love with her, so... Charlie's description of it being parent trapping is probably more accurate.
1: So I actually didn't know that. I actually didn't know that phrase before this movie.
0: So you were like Charlie and had to Google it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it didn't make sense at first, and then I just took her explanation. (laughs) I was like, shit, whatever works,
0: works. Yeah, like I said, it's a really nitpicky thing, but I couldn't let my English teachers down and just had to mention it. Another part that I wanted to touch on was just the role that the actual city of New York plays. Obviously, they go to a Yankees game. Harper and Charlie have this great scene where they're just walking along the High Line, which is one of my favorite places in New York City. They also, their office building is also right outside Bryant Park. I'm pretty sure it's 42nd and Avenue of America's. Any New Yorkers listening, please don't kill me if I got that wrong. But yeah, I mean, New York is my favorite city, so I really appreciated that. And if you're going to shoot a movie in New York, you might as well get your money's worth.
1: Hmm. I didn't really see the city as... A... Actually, I, I'd agree with you. I guess because of just um, her love for baseball and sports in general, just like having the Yankees right there and her being a huge fan. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it could have been replaced with any city given like the baseball history. from um, like, uh, like in New York, I guess, with the Yankees and the Red Sox, I guess.
0: Yeah, and just... One little last thing since we're talking about New York and that Yankees game is that there's like a really, really smart line of dialogue. I guess It's not even dialogue, just like a really smart observation that Harper makes, especially as being like a woman sports fan. I'm not going to like spoil it right now, but that might actually be like my favorite writing it throughout the whole movie. I'm not going to compare it to Nora Ephron just because she's, like, the gold standard and almost untouchable when it comes to rom-com writing. But there are definitely a couple moments in this movie where the writing is Efron-esque. Not consistently throughout the whole thing, and I definitely think it gets kind of lackadaisical and mundane at times, but there are definitely a few moments where the writing really shines.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, overall, I thought this movie was, was really great. It's a very much a modern update on a classic, a classic rom com, which is needed, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've covered this movie pretty well, and I feel like I know what your answer is going to be. But ultimately, Niji, do you ship it or skip it?
1: Oh, I ship this movie like hard. Like I'm sailing all the way. Of all the Netflix rom coms that have been released recently, this is the best by far. Like it really exceeds expectations. It's almost in that like classic area, maybe because it just. Like regurgitates this like classic formula so well um in this modern era, uh, which we haven't seen like anybody really do, and so I ship this movie really hard. Like I'm recommending this, recommending this to everybody. Like even to people who don't watch rom coms, they might not like it necessarily, but I think it's very good. It's very nice to see something like modern for once instead of like sexist, misogynistic nineteen nineties rom coms. That's, that's what I have to say on it. So Alex, um what do you think? Are you shipping it or skipping it?
0: Oh, I'm definitely shipping this movie. There's this theme throughout the movie that you like someone because of certain aspects, but you love someone despite some of their aspects. And I kind of love this movie, despite the fact that, you know, it's a pretty standard rom-com plot. Anyone who's a veteran of rom-coms won't be, like, wildly surprised by anything. We hit all of the standard rom-com tropes, we have a sassy gay friend, we have a promiscuous friend, there's an airport scene, there's several major epiphany scenes, there's shouting matches, but despite all of that, or, you know, because of that, it's just comfort food. This is a fun movie, it's great for Friday nights and staying in, I'm not willing to admit how many times I've seen it, it's less than ten, but more than three, and I know it's only been out for two weeks, but... The reason why I keep coming back to this movie, it's pretty simple. It's Powell and Deutsch. They have on-scene chemistry. They're both great actors. And, like I said, I think Deutsch is just a superstar in the making. I would put some money down that she's in line for an Emma Stone, Brie Larson, Jennifer Lawrence type career. Any listeners who want to bet me that she gets nominated for an Oscar within the next 10 years, leave a comment below. Another reason why I definitely ship this movie just in general is that there are certain scenes that feel super relatable. The pizza scene, anyone who's seen the movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. That scene feels literally ripped from my life. It's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And I think there are just several scenes throughout the entire movie that almost anyone can relate to. Working in an office building, trying to balance life, work, romance. There is also some commentary on modern dating that's pretty smart, or just something that we haven't really heard yet. Yeah, I shipped this movie pretty hard.
1: So the Netflix original set it up. gets a to ship it from both of us.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter, at Ship It Skip It. Please rate, comment, and subscribe. If you have any future movie recommendations that you'd want us to review, leave it in the comment section. I'm Alex Lee. And I'm Najee. And this has been Ship It or Skip It.